0: We just got out of church early. I mean, late. So that's why we late. Alright, y'all ready to get rolling? We ain't going to have enough time. I guess, I, mean, I guess that means a fourth of you only 15 minutes late. Hey, you don't feel that late because we got out of church late. We didn't get out of church for 20 minutes <laughs> Hmm? I just said it don't feel like it. I just said nothing was wrong with it. Don't even start you. All right, so we're in chapter 15 of Romans, the last, this is the last big chapter we're going to do before. There's a few little sections we'll look over in 16, but we're almost done with the book. So next week we'll probably just look over those few little sections. It's like eight verses maybe. In chapter sixteen, most of sixteen is like say hi to Cleophas and tell tell Chloe that I said hey and greet Timotheus as a brother and all that kind of stuff. So we'll probably just we'll glide over that a little bit and we'll just get to you know the the things that he says and we'll go over and we'll just review the whole book of Romans. Alright, so last week we talked about in chapter fourteen, we talked about it was all about the weak and the strong brother. So who is the strong brother and who is the weak brother? Oh come on, it's only been a week. Remember the weak don't impose their freedoms on the on the strong don't impose their freedoms on the weak. Yeah. And the weak don't judge the strong because of their freedoms. Y'all y'all remember? Y'all remember? Okay. Alright, so the first thirteen verses of chapter fifteen are gonna continue that thought. So really, if I was if I was thinking halfway correctly, I should have put verses one through thirteen with last week's. So Basically, if I if I combine this chapter together and just talk to you about what it's saying as a whole, just chapter fifteen, it's about building the kingdom and building the 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 brethren and and how you edify each other and how you how God is building up His people and you know the whole book has been talking about you know we went from. You know, there's no one righteous and everybody's sinning to the gospel. Jesus has come to free y'all. And then, uh, you know, how do we live in the gospel? And then he talked about the Jew-Gentile thing for, you know, 9 through 11, those chapters. And then 12, 13, and 14 was how do we live with this thing going on? And then so 15 here is just kind of summing everything up. And it's showing, he's talking about how God is building up his people and what our role is Is it because God uses us to to build his church, to build his kingdom. And when I say build his kingdom, I'm not just talking about going and I'm talking about going and witnessing the lost souls, bringing them into the kingdom, but I'm also talking about building each other up, you know, edifying each other, strengthening each other, you know, iron sharpening iron, that kind of thing. Y'all with me? Any good? Any questions or comments before we just dive off into it? No. Last chance. Okay. Okay, so verses 1 through 13 are going to continue that line of thought from last week. It says, we then that are strong, right, those that understand their freedom in Christ, they're not bound by, I can't eat this kind of meat, I can't do this, I have to keep these days and feasts, they're not bound by that. We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to what? Edification. What's edification? Huh? No. Kind. Of, I mean, I, I guess it is sorta. Of. To edify something is to do what? Uh, it's like eight things. I don't know what any of y'all said. What is it? I st- wow! It's like what language is that? What? Huh? To edify something? Yes. To lift, to lift it up, to build it up, to uh, to boast about if you're it's edifying Jessica if you're bragging about somebody else. If you're bragging about yourself, like if I brag about myself, then I'm edifying my I guess it is edifying. You're edifying yourself. So to edify others, if I was gonna edify Jimmy and the, you know what an edifice is? It's a big, huh? No. An edifice is a building. Like when you build a building, it's a, it's a an edifice. So they use the word <laughs> so they use the word edification is to build up, build up some life. If I build up Jimmy, how would I do that? It's like I'm gonna go build. I'm I'm gonna go encourage. Yeah, you encourage him. What else? <laughs> huh? Tell, yeah, yeah. Help him. Huh? Talking about how wonderful he is. Jimmy, you're doing good today. Everybody's talking about how wonderful he is. Okay, the the first two verses are the point. That's the premise. Verse 3, 4, 5, and 6 build up on that one point. Here's the point. When we that are strong bear the infirmities of the weak, don't please yourself. But everyone is to please his neighbor. For is good, and then here's the example that it gives us. For Christ, even Christ, please not Himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach the fellow me. So just like if we are following Christ, then the example that He set for us is that we don't we don't build ourselves up, we don't live for ourselves, we don't we don't um, seek to please ourselves at the expense of our neighbor. And the 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 whole gist of this is back to the freedom thing, you know, like. I am free to eat pig meat and hog jowls and all that stuff, you know. And the Jewish people that would have been in the audience, they would have been like, oh, no, that's not, you can't do that. That's sinful. And it's talking about you, your freedom is your freedom, but you don't impose it on somebody else. So, for example, like I am free in Christ to get, you know, I don't know. A big monkey face tattooed right there on my face. You know what I mean? You don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> there <going>. All right. <laughs> I could have picked up I could have picked a better example.
1: <laughs>
0: so like what if I come in here and Oh, I know. What if I come in here and have my, and my have my tongue pierced and my eyebrows pierced and my all this pierced and, you know, I look just like I look, but I had all this. I mean, I look like an antenna in my face. <laughs> would you, would you feel, would you like if you can't like we have a visitor? They told me your name. It is yeah. Danielle. Yeah, I knew that. I knew it was D. Uh, if you come in here and you sit down like you didn't know nothing and like I walked in the door was like okay ladies and gentlemen this time for school, and I had all this crap in my face like piercings and all that you, she'd be thinking like okay is it is it sinful thou shalt not get a piercing in your eyebrow no it's not sinful I mean you can't point to a verse that says thou shalt not but you know, the first impression that you would get from me, you know, hey, I'm going to teach y'all about the Bible, and I've got all this stuff, and you know, it'd be like, you you might be using your freedom to mess up somebody else, you know what I mean? Everybody understand that? Y'all with me? So it says... Don't you you bear the infirmities of the week and that for for them, we saw in 14, he was talking about, you know, like drinking wine and eating different kinds of meats and uh, keeping different kind of feast days and holy days and all that kind of stuff. And it says the reason we do this is because Christ gave us the example. He pleased not himself. And then it says, verse four. It says, because whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Okay, the script, the, the scriptures, the scriptures give us direction and hope, and they specifically tell us over and over again from the very beginning when God gave the Jews the law, one of the first laws. Was love your neighbor as yourself? You know, it was was do unto others? What you know? Thus, from the very beginning of the scriptures, all the way to Jesus' teachings in the New Testament. So that's not like Jesus coming and Paul coming and say, "Oh, here's a new thing that y'all need to get into." No, this is this was all the way it was from the beginning. So you got Christ giving us the example of building others up. You got the scriptures giving us the command to build others up and and think others more highly than you think yourself. And just for a little side note. If anybody throws out uh, the deal about, well, you know, you can't say X, Y, and Z is wrong because, you know, you, it says that thou shalt not eat shellfish, and it says that you can't wear clothes. You know, they take the law, and we don't do the Levitical law, so we, we don't. If they ever say that, then you can put the love your neighbor as yourself. That, that appears in Leviticus. And it appears right right in what they call the holiness code. So if you throw out all the holiness code, you throw out love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know if that will help any of y'all, but that was for free. It says, Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that you may be with one mind, one mouth, glorifying God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus. The point of all this, the point, and like I said, this section kind of goes with the last chapter. So think of it that way. The point of all this is that we glorify God as a body. We are the body of Christ, and we glorify God together in unity. You see what I mean? And then verses seven through thirteen, it goes to tell us how. Like, how am I supposed to? How am I supposed to love my neighbor, please my neighbor more than myself? How am I supposed to do this? And I'm kind of rushing through these verses because we already talked about this last week. Verse seven says, "This is how you do it." Wherefore, receive one another as Christ also has received us to the glory of God. Now is that is that hard? Is that easy all the time? Yeah. Yeah, some people just suck. <laughs> you know? But you know, really I do too. I mean, but think about it. Me and Jimmy have an argument. And we have strife between us. Right? Doesn't matter who's right or wrong. But we have this we have this deal going on. And I just don't, I just can't, I just can't forgive. I just can't let the thing go. You know what I mean? Even though I say it's all good, Jimmy, don't worry about it, as I'm walking out the door, I'm like, I can't believe that sucker did that to me. You know, and so but think about that, think about that. What I'm saying then, and, and I'm assuming that we're both believers. That's what Paul's talking about here, to receive one another, you believers in the community. What I'm saying when I refuse to receive Jimmy, when you know the things that he does, if if you know, if Jimmy walks in with pierced eyebrows and all that stuff and I, I say I just can't fellowship with him because he's got pierced eyebrows or I can't fellowship with him because he don't keep the you know the, the, the right Sabbath day or he don't celebrate the feasts or he don't you know, he's the wrong kind of meat or he does you know, whatever it is, whatever it is if I don't receive him what I'm saying basically is that Christ's death and resurrection was not enough to pay for his sins you understand? See what I'm saying? Now, I may not think that because in my mind I'm a Christian and I'm saying, you know what? Jesus is enough. I believe in Christ. But if I hold the grudge against him, if I hold the thing out, you know, that that me and him have that strife, and I hold that and I don't let it go and I refuse to forgive and I refuse to, you know, he owes me whatever. He owes me to tell me he's sorry or to make up for it or to do. He owes me. What I'm saying there is that I'm looking at God the Father right in his face and I'm saying, God, Father, I know that your son was enough to pay for sin, all sin. In your eyes. But Jimmy's sin has to have something else. It has to have Jesus plus he has to make amends to me for before I forgive. Do you see how that's making the cross kind of non-effectual? Y'all with me? I probably didn't explain that very good. Yes. Not with me? When when Dana and I have an argued, which we never do. <laughs> it's all that. When we have an argument, you know, we argue like everybody else. I mean, it's just normal. I mean, just like in your house, it happens in my house. But if if I hold that against her and say, well, you owe me this and this and this. You ever read that verse that says, love doesn't say, love doesn't say it's sorry. Is that in 1 Corinthians 13, or is that some kind of... Love suffers long, it's forgive it, you know the thing they read at your wedding you know you know so they uh if i hold that against her i'm saying god i know that jesus was enough to pay for her sin in your eyes but jesus is not enough to pay for her sin in my eyes see what i mean what i'm doing is saying god you accepted her only by the sacrifice of christ but for me to forgive her the way you've forgiven her i need more than christ I need Christ plus she's gonna to have to come to me, and say she's sorry, she's gonna to have to wash all my clothes, she's gonna pick up my underwear, she's gonna to have to do all those things. See? You see what I'm saying? So if I don't, it's saying receive one another as Christ has received you. Christ didn't the only thing that he he the only thing that he stipulated for you to receive him was what? That you repent of your sin and that you trust in him. It's as simple as that. And when you did though when you did that. You were accepted into the kingdom of God. You became adopted in the family of God. God gave you the perfect status that you have in Christ. He looks at you and no longer sees sin, no longer sees wrongdoing, no longer sees all those things. All He sees is the blood of Christ. But yet when we deal with each other, Christ's blood, Christ's sacrifice becomes less important, doesn't it? Because I know He died for you and He did that for you, but I want more. You know what I mean? I want you to pay. I know Christ did it, but I, I want you to—you've got to fulfill these things for me to for me to do it. And I know now that I've told you all that when we get next time, Dana and I have a fight, she'll just say, "Well, you remember what you said, Uh <laughs> you, know, you can't hold it against me." So he's saying, "Receive each other. This is how we edify each other." And this is still—I should have did all this last week with that of the chapter but it's okay whether you're jew or gentile 8 through 12 now i say jesus christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth that's the jewish people people for the truth of god to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the gentiles might glorify god for his mercy and then 9 10 11 and 12 are all quotes from the old testament So you can go look those up at home or you can look at the outline that I sent you. And what he's doing there is he's quoting all those verses to prove his point. That the Gentiles, you know, are in the church of Christ just like the Jews are. They are the people of God, just like the Jews are. Uh, Well, let me just read it. It says, As it is written, for this cause I will confess thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. And again he said, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. He's just quoting Old Testament passages, proving his point. And the result of that is verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Okay, all that 1 through 13 really should go with chapter 14 because it's kind of expressing the same thought. Um, Paul didn't write any chapter and verse divisions. Y'all know that, right? He just wrote one big long letter and the chapter and verse divisions came later. Okay, so... What we're going to see here, Paul is winding up his letter, verses 14 through 33. He's winding the whole thing up, and he's he's kind of summing everything up, and he's going to talk to them personally about, you know, hey, I, I really want to come see y'all, and I've been wanting to come, and I've just had this ministry going on, and he's going to tell them about his ministry to the Gentile. And so he's not going to be instructing them like, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to do this. But what going to do is tell them about the kingdom of God being built up. And by looking at the way that he, you know, is asking for things or telling them what's going on, we can see our part in how we build the church, build the kingdom of God. You know that parable that Jesus told about the talents where he gave you know, one servant, so many talents, and one servant, so many, and one servant. And when he came back, the one servant, he said, hey, I made I made ten more. And he said, good, come on in to the joy of the Lord. And the next one said, I made five more. And then one just took that one thing. A talent is a measure of weight, like a, you know, he gave him an investment. And he the one, the one um, just buried it in the ground, and he called him a wicked and lazy servant. And so... God has given you, He gives gifts to all His believers. He's given you something that you are to use for His glory. He's given you something that you are to use for the building up of His church. Whether it be the gift of speaking to folks, or whether it be you know whatever it is you're into, or whatever it is you like to do, whatever that circle of influence is, whatever that sphere that you live in is, that's where you are to build the kingdom of God, and this is how you do it. He's going to show us how to do it. Verse fourteen through twenty-one is all about the gospel ministry. That's going out, witnessing. You know, not you can do it purposefully. Like I'm going out today, and I'm going to go to the mall, and I'm just going to witness to whoever I walk across. Or it could just be you know, in, in people that you run into at Walmart, people that you run into at school or at work, or you know, wherever you're at, wherever you find yourself. Like I got to go to work today so if you're going to work today you are in the mission field you are in the mission field. that's your mission field if you go to school you I go to school today that's your mission field if you go you know whatever it is that you do on a day in day out basis that is your mission field and the people that are around you that know you and they they watch how you live and they see you every single day they are watching your life and that in itself is a mission field. So I'm not talking about just bringing your Bible to work with you and slapping people in the head with it, you know, all the time, and 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 making sure that you, un, you know, y'all just need y'all just all lost, y'all going to hell. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. Uh, it's not like that. But it's, it's also about living living in front of these people, you know, the, the Christ like life. It says. Verse 14 to 21 says, and I myself am persuaded of you. He's saying, guys, you guys are real mature and you, you, you pretty much know what I'm talking about. That you also are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, able to admonish one another. He says, nevertheless, brethren, I have written, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort. It's like in some parts of this letter now, I've been kind of bold and I've really told you how it was. He says putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So what he's saying is the reason I wrote to you and I kind of been forceful in in some of the ways that I've talked to you imagine if you were a Jewish believer and you you know you had just grown up understanding that the Jews are God's people, and we are not to eat no swine. We're not to eat no pigs, and we're not. To, we're supposed to keep the days and the, and the feasts, and the we're supposed to follow all these rules. We're and here is Paul telling you, hey, you just need if that's your thing, do it. But you can't keep these people out of the kingdom either, because that's not the thing. Because Christ has freed you. That would be like earth shaking. I mean, that would rock your. That would be like, who is this guy? telling me that everything I've ever known, everything our fathers have known, our ancestors have known is now wrong. And we're to accept these people that are just coming in. They're not God's people. They're just coming in off the street, believing in the Messiah. You know, how can this be? He's saying, you know what? I know that some of the things that I've told you in this letter, I've said kind of boldly and they may be kind of shocking to you, but you need to understand that. He had just showed us that from the Old Testament, the Gentiles will become, will come into the kingdom of God. And now he's saying, look, God has called me to be a vehicle by which these Gentiles come in. See what I mean? So he's saying, look, the reason that I'm telling you this and the reason I'm telling you this way is because this is what I did. God has called me to go out, not among Israel, not among the Jews, not among God's people, but. Among all these heathen that have never heard of the gospel of Christ, have never heard the name of Christ, have never heard these things, God has called me to go out and to to minister to them. And look what he says. What what would be earth shaken to a, a Jewish person? In verse 16, he says that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. He said, look, when I come and preach the gospel to them and they receive the gospel and they believe the gospel, they're just as holy, just as sanctified as you are. Doesn't that? I mean, that's like you guys have heard that over and over and over again. So it's it's really not that novel of an idea. But think about it just in your own personal life. I mean, remember all the gospel that we've talked about in Romans. When you came to faith in Christ, when you came to believe in Him, when you repented of your sin and trusted in Him, and He accepted you, then bang, you became holy and acceptable to God. Now sometimes you don't feel very holy when you're walking around or whatever, but that doesn't change the status that God has given you in Christ. Everybody with me? understand okay so he brings the gospel to the gentiles verse 17 18 19 20 21 basically he's saying you know what that's kind of what i do i bring the gospel where it's never been named before that's that's why now if you were in Rome and you're reading all these this letter that Paul sent you're probably thinking well Paul you you going all over the all over the known world you preaching and how come you never come see us I mean this is like a big Rome is like the big hub of of course the Roman Empire you know we're Christians here in Rome how come you never saw came to see us it says I, I wanted to come see you he said but. You know, I've been doing all this. In verse 19, it says through uh, many signs and wonders. He's talking about his ministry among the Gentiles by the power of the Spirit. Uh of God, so that from Jerusalem around about to Illyricum, which is all around the Mediterranean, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I. I strive to preach the gospel not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom He was not spoken of, they shall see and. They that have not heard shall understand. So basically that whole section right there is just about spreading the gospel. And that's one way that God builds His kingdom, by spreading the gospel. So what's some ways that you can spread the gospel tomorrow when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go home, when you go... I mean, of course you know you can just run up on somebody and say, hey, do you go into heaven when you die and tell them all that? But what are some other ways that you could... Spread the gospel. That would be gospel ministry, gospel centered, whatever. You could talk to people that you don't normally talk to, build a relationship with them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> because usually, if you don't know me, then it's all good. But once you get to know me, you don't pray. <laughs> and I don't really want a relationship. What if? The way you Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I remember. I'm gonna tell this. I'm gonna tell this on uh, you. But huh? Well, I'll ask him, but I'm gonna tell it. <laughs> this was before he was saved. He, Bruce had been coming to church for a while, you know, and we were friends, and I was, you know. If if he he would come and ask questions and we'd talk and we just you know we would do all those things. And uh, remember when I walked up to the body shop? I walked up and he didn't see me he was working on it, and then all of a sudden I don't know what he did, but man, he started throwing stuff and cussing at this car. He was like I can he turned around and he said Hey Jason <laughs> <laughs> Now that was and that before that was before he was saved, so it was it's all good. My point in saying that is, and I, I did the same thing when I, I worked at the at a body shop in Covington, and I told you all the story about me turning wrenches and cussing and all that stuff. Uh, the point of that story is up to that point. Bruce was, he was lost, but he was coming to church and he was involved in the church and he was just starting to, you know, starting to get going. And he had been witnessing to those guys in the shop with it. You see what I mean? And so, when they're probably, uh, he told me later that one of the guys, after I left, he's like, yeah, I bet what, what they're going to think of you now after they at the church and all that stuff. And, you know, by not, li- by not living the testimony of Christ... You kind of nullify the speaking of the testimony of right. And that's not, that's not uh, something that's isolated. to just, It's something we all do. And we all have done. And we all continue to do in some ways or not. You know, you'd be surprised. When I go to Walmart, I've been cooking all the stuff at the house for the last month. Of course, I ain't done but just a little easy nothing. But Dana works too long, you know, during the day to get home and try to cook. So I've been trying to cook. And I'll go to Walmart, and I'll have my earphones in, and I'll be listening to something, just anything, you know, whatever. And I'm just walking along, and you'd be surprised how many people know you that you don't know. And they'll be like, one was like, you know, they'd walk up, and they, you know, I can't hear nothing, so I'm assuming, I don't know what they said, but, you know. And and I was like, hey, how you doing? And then... They look at me, look at me, and so I take an earphone out, and they say, you ain't even going to talk to me? I'm like, I do <laughs> <laughs> But you see that right there, even though it's really nothing I'm doing, that right there, you see how they would take that. And then they would go, well, uh, that, that youth pastor out there, he didn't talk to me at Walmart. He didn't say, and bang, right there. You know, gospel ministry's him. You know, I, I've been starting to be like the mayor at Walmart. I've been waving everybody. Hey! <laughs> I don't know who I know and who I don't know. I don't know what they're going to say. That guy's always friendly. That's all I know. So, the gospel ministry is how God builds the kingdom. Right? And the, la- the other two, there's three other things, and I'm going to have to speed up because we're running out of time. Verses 22 through 24 is fellowship. Verses 25 through 29 is help and service. And verses 30 and 32 is prayer. So, taking verse 22 through 24, that's fellowship. Now, you wouldn't think of fellowship as building up the kingdom, but it is. And that's why we stress it so much being together. Just, even if you're not doing anything, like, Like, fellowship is not just getting together to have Bible study. Or getting together to, we're going to go and paint this house. Or we're going to go and we're going to listen to the sermon. Or we're going to go and we're going to worship. And we're going to... Fellowship is just getting together and hanging out. Just doing getting to know each other, building relationships with each other. Just that's why I get sometimes with the youth when they don't want to come hang out with the youth, I get kind of annoyed with them and I'll tell them, You supposed to be cut and they're like, Well, we don't do nothing but you know, sit on your couch or whatever, go swimming at your house or whatever. It doesn't matter. You're supposed to be getting that's how that's how groups get fractured and this little group wants to go over there and this little group because they don't hang out. With each other. Like today we were supposed to go to the movies. I was gonna go take them to see that when the gang is stand still. Oh, and that's what I was doing when I was in there before Sunday school. It's like three of them want to go. The rest of them want to go home. I was like, okay, you know We'll go home. I don't care. But you cannot grow as a believer without fellowship with other believers. You hear me? Take that, you can take that to the bank. I can prove it from any all kind of scriptures. You cannot grow as a Christian. Unless you have fellowship with other Christians, some of them, and that's because. Well, nobody's going to edify you but another Christian. I mean, you hang around a lot of lost people; they're just going to bring you down. Yeah, but if they, yeah. So there's no room to grow. Where are you going to grow in when if all you hang around is a lot of lost people? Right. Yeah, and and also this, you know, I've said this before, but. For you to grow in the fruits of the spirit, you've got, you know, like I I know some ladies that they don't come to know the lady stuff because I just can't get along with none of them people. You know what I mean? Well, that's kind of the point. That's to help you grow in patience, goodness, kindness, you know, all those fruits of the spirit. Hanging out with people that test your patience sometimes. Is how you grow in patience. You know what I mean? That's how you grow to be more like Christ. So you can't use the excuse, "Well, I don't really fuss it just because I don't get, a, you know, I don't get along with folks, and that person over there is kind of, he's kind of an idiot, he just gets on my nerves and whatever." That's kind of the point. They're supposed to, you know, you're always going to have people that get on your nerves. Always have people that you kind of personalities clash. You're always going to have, that's part of being in the church. So if you ever find a church that you go to and it is just, everybody is perfect to your personality and it's all good. You know, make sure you turn the alarm clock off before you get out of bed because you're sleeping. You know, it just don't exist. So. The point is, he's saying, look look what Paul says, verse 22. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. He says, because I've been doing all this ministry, because I've been going all these places and building all these churches. He says, I haven't been able to come to you. But now, having no more place in these parts, because I've done everything I was supposed to do here. And having a great desire these many years to come to you. Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward, how about that, by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. He said, look, I'm going to Spain because that's what I'm called to do is to go build churches where there's no churches. So on my way to Spain, I'm going to come and I'm going to fellowship with you. And look what it says. It says, it says, uh... I trust to see you in my journey and be brought on my way. He said, "I want you to help me on my journey." And then it says, "I want to be filled with your company." See at the end of verse 25? So what he's saying is, look, when you when I come and we fellowship, it's going to be for mutual building of each up. He he's not ashamed to say you're going to you're going to help me when I come. It's like you're going to, you know, you're going we're going to take up offering is basically what he's saying. We'll see that in the next verse. We're going to take up an offering when I come and you're going to send me on my way to Spain and he said and, and I'm going to be, you know, you're going to have part in the ministry by doing that and I'm going to be filled with your company, you know, I'm going to I'm going to bless you guys and you're going to bless me too and by fellowship they they grow together and they grow to be uh more mature in Christ. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Mm-hmm. Any questions or comments? He said a prayer warning, you know. Break. Get <laughs> you know, ready to take up the money. Yeah, expect. You know, I'm not just coming there for you. You know, it's mutual, like you said. Well, he's coming to bless and to be a blessing. Right, right. And he's, coming to, he's, he's, he's made it clear that I have wanted for many years to come see y'all. Just to fellowship with y'all. You know, all these, these are Christians here. These are not, you know, he's not coming to build a new church in Rome. There's already a church in Rome and he didn't build it. He didn't found it. It was founded by somebody else. So he, he just wanted to come fellowship with them says, but now, he said, but first, before I do that, verse 25, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to minister to those saints. For it has pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. If you don't know, you probably don't know this, but Macedonia, at this time, Macedonia and Achaia were um, northern Greek regions. And they were poorer than the southern, like Corinth and all these big, you know, on on the coast. They were poorer than those. So he's saying, he's talking to Rome, which is, you know, big hub of civilization. And he's saying, he's saying, I'm going to bring this gift that the Macedonian Christians and the Kayan Christians have given to Jerusalem saints. At this point, at this point. You can read this in Acts 2 in Jerusalem. All the Jews were persecuting the Christians bad. I mean, they were turning them over to the the Romans and they were, you know, they were they were booting them out of the synagogues and they were doing all these things. And so the the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem were suffering really bad while Christianity in the other parts of the Roman Empire were flourishing. And so as Paul was traveling, building churches and and sprouting up new congregations all over, he would take up collections for these suffering saints that were in Jerusalem. Y'all with me? Okay, but look what he says. It says, It has pleased them to do this, verse 27, and their debtors they are. He's saying they owe it it to them. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in carnal. Carnal things means just... Yeah, material material things. Financial (laughs) things. Basically, he's saying... They owe it. If you're doing wonderful and there's, there's other parts of the, of the body of Christ, he's saying they owe it to him. He's saying because the Gentiles have been included into God's people, they have been given the spiritual blessing, right? Therefore, they owe it to help them with their material needs. Understand? Huh? Right. Right, right, and so you got so far. You got, he says, the gospel ministry, fellowship. This you could say, help and service, giving, you know. And then you've got uh, thirty and thirty-two is prayer. Look what he says. He says, my Bible is stuck on twenty-nine, and it will not move up. Somebody read thirty. You know, Thirty-one. Brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit strive together with me in your prayers and your God for me. What's he asking for? Prayers. Yeah. Prayers. And then read the next verse. That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea and that my servants which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. Okay. What two things is he praying for? Deliverance. Yeah. Safety. Deliverance from them non-believers in Judea. What else? And yeah, that his ministry would be profitable. That they would accept what I got to say when I go there. Okay, so he's asking for prayer. And then the, the last 32, he says, pray that I'll be able to come to you. If you read, at this time, he, he has finished his third missionary journey. And he is fixing to go to Spain. But before he goes to Spain... Before he goes to Spain, he's going to stop off in Jerusalem and he's going to give this money to them, preach, you know, do the things. And then he's going to Spain. Did he ever make it to Spain? Y'all didn't read Acts. No, he never made it. Why didn't he never make it? Did he read Acts? Well, he did get killed, but... That he was, he was captured in Jerusalem, if you read, read the end of Acts, the last ten chapters, he was captured in Jerusalem and turned over to the Romans, and then he was going to be beaten and whipped and killed, and then they found out that he was a Roman citizen. And you can't you can't beat a Roman citizen without a trial. So he says, "We're going to send you to trial in front of these people." And Paul said, "No." He said, You're, "I'm going to go to Caesar," and that was the right of a Roman citizen. And so the Acts, the book of Acts, ends as Paul is going toward Rome to have his trial before Caesar, and that's where it ends. And so it, we don't know that he made it to Spain. He, you know, the tradition tells us that he was killed by Nero, you know, a little after that. But if you, uh, it's just interesting to me to see him, his, his mission is to build up the church. Ooh, we got to go, we're way late. Um, and he does it through the gospel ministry. It's the same way you do it. Gospel ministry, you do it by fellowshipping with the believers. You do it by help, service, and giving in the church. And you do it by prayer. Those four things. And those four things are responsibilities. They're not just, hey, if you feel like it, you know, if you get an opportunity, you might want to do it. No, those things are responsibilities that you have as being in the family of God. You understand? Can you were- Yeah, the gospel ministry, which is witnessing, you know, spreading the gospel, living your life in front of, you know, just building, you know, getting the gospel out, fellowship with the believers, uh, help, service, and giving is all kind of, I'm lumping them into one thing, that's verses 25 through 29, and then prayer for each other, verses 30 through 32. Those are the things that are expected Expected of you. Next week, I'll send you the outline. My Bible is jammed. Next week, we're probably going to just do uh, verses 17 through 20, and then 25 through 27. The rest of it is just like, greet Amphibus, my beloved one, the Lord, greet Urbanus. You know, it is a letter he sends to specific people. So, what we'll do is we'll do those verses, specific verses in that chapter, and we'll do a review of all of Romans. And then, weeks after that, we'll do at least one week on the Trinity, and then we're going to start John, just so after y'all get that. Okay? All right. Have y'all ever read this chapter before? Now, you know why that is? Huh? It's hard. Yeah, it's hard.